Welcome to the Resound Student Ministry Podcast. At Resound, we want to see every student fully devoted to their new life in Christ. Here's this week's midweek message, and we hope it gives you the courage to take the next step in your relationship with God. What's up, what's up? How you guys doing? Yeah, right on, right on. How many of you have a ride or die? Yeah, how many of you know what that is? Can we have some lights up in here so I can see some hands? Because all I see are these bright things in my face. All right. So you have a ride or die, right? A ride or die is someone who is your go-to friend, right? The person that's committed to you no matter what. No matter how bad things get, you have a ride or die. Bobby, you have a ride or die? Yeah? All right. Are you confident? Okay, how many of you, you are the ride or die, right? You're the guy who's committing to your buddy, or you're the girl who's committing to your girlfriend, yeah? Like, I'm your ride or die, wherever you're going, I'm going to be right there by your side, all right? Cool, cool. Well, my, um, me and my sister, we grew up pretty close, but this story I'm going to share is actually about my mom and um, her uncle, or her brother, so my uncle, so... My mom actually grew up really close to her brother for a time, and they um, were very closely related. They were both born the same year, believe it or not. He was born January 1st. My mom was born in December on the 4th. So it sounds like my grandparents knew about the Maid series coming up. Anyway, um, so my... uh, my mom and uncle were playing one time. They were probably in elementary school. The story gets told almost every time we get together. So, um, Jen, I'm sure you've heard of this story. But I, ha- I don't know if I remember all the details. So what I'm going to share is hopefully something that is mostly true. So <laughs> um, here is the story as I remember it. My mom and my uncle were playing in the living room. And all of the adults were having adult conversation, you know, whatever, whatnot, bills, budgets, whatever, in a separate room, right? And so my mom and my uncle, they're having fun, they're playing around, and then my uncle discovers something that changes the game. A box of matches. And he decides that it's best to play with these matches than any other toy that's available to them. And... uh, According to my mom, he lights a match. He doesn't realize that it's fire consuming the whole match until it gets to his fingertip. And so when it finally burns him, he tosses it with the intention to stomp it out before it does anything. And that didn't happen. Well, my family, who's in another room, starts blowing smoke like, who burnt the cookies? They're looking back. And they see flames um, and smoke coming out of the living room. They run in there. What's going on? And my uncle told my, my mom the first thing, right? You're with me, right? You're with me, right? Like, don't tattle on me. We're together in this. You're in this. And they came. Uh, my grandparents came in the room. What's going on in here? First thing my mom did. He did it. Right? Anyone been in that situation before? Maybe not with fiery couches, but where someone totally tattled on you, called you out. 
Yeah, my mom was not a ride or die that day at all. It did not happen. But um, today we're going to learn about a guy who was a ride or die, so he thought, when it came to his commitment to Jesus. Um, how many of you have ever heard the name Peter before? Ever heard the name Peter? So Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, and he decided that he was going to be a ride or die kind of disciple uh, until something happened. And so if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, go with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. That's where we're going to hang out today, John chapter 1. We're actually going to journey through the book of John in a few locations. So we're going to take part in Peter's story as um, John tells it, okay? Are you with me? Cool, cool. So John chapter 1, starting in verse 42. Everyone there? Cool. All right. Verse 42 says this. Then Andrew, who is Peter's brother, <clears throat> then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, right, Jesus said to Simon, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So Peter's original name is Simon. Say Simon. Simon. Yeah. Say it with some gusto. Say Simon. Simon. Wow. Simon said that for sure. All right. So um, <laughs> Peter's name was Simon. He was the son of a guy named John. I don't know which John, but the son of some guy named John. And Jesus meets him and says, hey, your name's Simon, but I'm going to call you Cephas, which means Peter or rock is also what it means. And Peter would eventually go on to become one of the most pivotal and important disciples in Christianity. Because it would be through Peter's um, preaching that 3,000 people, over 3,000 people would come to faith in one moment at the day of Pentecost. It was crazy. And you can read that for yourself in the book of Acts. Peter preached a sermon and over 3,000 people became followers of Jesus right there. Insane. And so through his story, eventually Peter becomes this juggernaut for Jesus, if you will. But until then, he was just a guy named Simon that Jesus renamed. And let, let me just be real with y'all. Like Peter's identity before he met Jesus was a fisherman. That was his job. That's what defined his life. He wasn't smart enough to be anything else. He wasn't cool enough to do anything else. He was a fisherman. Hard work, no brain, <laughs> if you want to say that. But that's what he was. He was a fisherman. And so he um, had an identity. He had a name. He had a purpose before he chose to follow Jesus. Listen to me. Everyone has a name. Everyone has an identity. Everyone is living for some type of purpose before they choose to follow Jesus. It's the this is who I used to be then part of your testimony or your story. How many of you have a this is who I used to be then part of your story? 
And there's some of you now who may not be following Jesus with your life. And the this who I used to be then part of your story is actually still this is who I am now. And so for Jesus, um, when he named Peter, he gave him a name, a new name with a new identity and a new purpose. And when we choose to follow Jesus, uh, when we choose to follow him, Jesus gives us a new name. Jesus gives you a new identity. And Jesus sets you out to live for a new purpose. Right? This is who I used to be, but because I'm following Jesus now, this is who I am now. I am now a daughter of the king. I am now a son of the most high God. I am now forgiven I've been set free of my guilt and shame and the bondage of sin and addiction. I've been forever adopted into God's family. And he sets you off on a new purpose. The purpose to live your life to follow Jesus. To grow closer in relationship with him. To begin to serve him with every area of your life. And to begin to lead others to him. When Jesus names you. Right? He knows who you used to be, but he also knows who you could be. And when you choose to follow Jesus, he gives you a new name. He gives you a new identity. He gives you a new purpose. And, and what if you're in this room and, and you're like thinking, like, Matt, let me just be real with you for a sec. I've prayed the prayer. Right? I've given my life to Jesus. I've done all the whoop de doos and the hallelujahs, and I've done it all. But if I'm being honest with you, Matt, I don't feel any different. Hey, and if I'm, I'm being really honest with you, um, Matt, nothing's changed in my life. And if I'm even being even more transparent with you, Matt, um, what's so special about this whole Jesus thing anyway? And those are all questions I've asked. And can I just remind you of something that is true? And I need you to listen to this. Because once this clicks, it will change the way that you live your Christian life. Things change when you really believe that you are who Jesus says that you are. Things change when you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And that you can be who he says you can be. It's all wrapped up in the new name that Jesus gives you. It's all wrapped up in the new identity that he gives you. It's all wrapped up in the new purpose that he sets you out on. And until you are confident of those things, you'll never see change in your life. I think a lot of people are excited to call themselves Christians just because they want to get out of hell when they die. Right, that'll scare you into heaven, maybe. But transforming life happens when you become convinced that you are a different person through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you because you are aware of your new identity in Christ. That's when life change happens. Now let's go to the next part of the story. John chapter 13. So move with me to John chapter 13. And here's where we find out Peter is the self-professed ride or die for Jesus. 
And maybe if you're paying attention to the story, you can really empathize with his feelings. So let's start in verse 33. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And on verse 33, Jesus tells his disciples who are eating their last meal together, Jesus is about to share some of his famous last words with them. And here we go. Jesus tells all of his disciples this, which maybe was hard for Peter to hear. Check this out. He says, dear children, verse 33, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. You can't come where I'm going. And verse 36, Peter's like, uh, Lord, what do you mean I can't go where you're going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you'll follow me later. And here's what Jesus was referencing. Jesus knows that he's about to walk to his death. Jesus knows that he's about to be crucified. Jesus knows he's about to get flogged and have the skin ripped off his back. Jesus knows he's about to be crowned with a crown of thorns and mocked for being the king of the Jews. Jesus knows he's about to have nails driven through his wrists and through his ankles. Jesus knows he's about to suffocate on a cross. Jesus knows he's about to die. And he's saying, you can't go where I'm going. Oh, but you will later. Trust me, you will later. And Peter still doesn't get it. But why can't I come now, Lord, he said. I'm ready to die for you. And this is Peter saying to Jesus, bro, I'm your ride or die. No matter how hard this gets, I'm all in. No matter how tough this journey becomes for you, I'm going to be by your side. I am your ride or die, dude. I don't think you get it. Wherever you go, I go. It's what this whole following Jesus thing is about, right? Jesus, didn't you ask me to follow you? I'm going to be with you. I'm ready to die for you. And then Jesus puts his self-commitment in check when he says this. Die for me. What do you mean you're going to die for me, Peter? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning... You will die or you will deny three times that you even know me. What? And so here's Peter, right? Jesus, I'm your ride or die. I'm your homie forever, dude. We're going to do this side by side. And Jesus is like, no, you're not, dude. Like before the morning even comes, you're going to deny that you even know me. Not once, not twice, three times. Jesus calls him out and says that Peter will deny him. And here's the facts. Each, of, each one of us can live with a faulty confidence of our own commitment to Jesus. Each one of us can live our daily Christian lives with a faulty assurance that we have what it takes to make it through without God's help. That we can sustain ourselves that we have enough willpower to say no to sin, that we have enough courage on our own to say no to fear. Oh, man, I'll never cave in. I'll never mess up. I'll never screw up. I'll never run back to that guy. I'll never run back to that girl. I'll never look at what I looked at last night again. I'll never take this drug again. I'll never get drunk again. And where do we find ourselves? 
A lot of us live with a faulty confidence in our own commitment. And if I'm being real with you, what I'm going to share with you isn't going to sound all that encouraging. Because following Jesus isn't always unicorns and rainbows, y'all. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, you have to be real with the idea that following Jesus isn't always going to be comfortable. Following Jesus isn't always going to feel good. Following Jesus sometimes will lead to a push. Following Jesus will sometimes lead to a shove. Following Jesus might sometimes look to your friend group changing or abandoning you. Right? Following Jesus will lead to some discomfort. Fact. But we don't believe in Jesus and we don't follow Jesus. Listen to me. We don't follow Jesus because we believe or we don't follow Jesus because it's comfortable. We follow Jesus because we believe he actually is who he says he is. And we follow Jesus because we believe that we can be who he says we can be. If you're following Jesus in here because you're looking for the good, comfortable life, you're on the wrong boat. But if Jesus, who he says he is, then you better be on that boat. The next part of the story with Peter is the one that's probably most real to us. So let's go to John chapter 18. So Jesus is still this is his last day with his disciples. He knows he's walking to his death. He went to the garden to pray with his disciples. And he, one of the disciples, Judas, betrayed him to the Roman guards. The Roman guards arrest Jesus. None of the disciples, just Jesus. And they take Jesus away for all of his trials because they want to prove that an innocent man is guilty so that they can crucify him. And Peter and the rest of the disciples are terrified out of their ever-loving mind because if they just arrested Jesus, an innocent man, what are they going to do to me? What are they going to do to disciples who follow him? Like, if it's going to end badly for Jesus, how is it going to end for me? And so they follow, and they're almost like they're watching from afar. Like, they're walking, and they're traveling to all of these trials with Jesus, and they want to get in to see what's going on with Jesus. And let's find out if he's brave enough to even admit that he knows Jesus. Verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another disciple. The other disciple got in to the high priest's courtyard, but Peter was left out. And so Peter had to stay outside the gate. And then the disciple who got in knew that the high priest spoke to the woman watching the gate. And she let Peter in. And as Peter was walking in the gate, the woman, the gatekeeper, asked him, Hey, you're not one of those man's disciples, are you? I'm pretty sure I've seen you with that guy, Jesus. And he responds and says, no. He said, I am, I'm not one of his disciples. What are you talking? 
And because it was cold, they made a fireplace in the courtyard, and so he went over to the fireplace to get warm. Let's keep reading. Verse 25. And meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, these people who are all getting warm by the fire, they asked him, you're not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it, saying, no, I'm not, man. I quit asking me and bugging me about it. I don't, I, I, what are you talking about? But one of the household slaves, the household slaves was probably a teenage girl. But a teenage girl calls him out and says, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Like, I saw you in the garden, dude. And again, Peter denied it. Three times, Peter said, I don't know the man. I'm not a disciple of Jesus. I'm not willing to identify myself with him. Three times. And the Bible says immediately after that, that the rooster crowed. And the words that Jesus spoke to him proved to be true. And Peter, the ride or die for Jesus, just denied even knowing Jesus. Because he was scared. He was scared. And part of me really doesn't blame him because if Jesus was really getting going to be treated the way he was, like, how scared would I be? How scared would you be? If you were in Peter's shoes, how would you feel? I think I would feel shocked when I heard the rooster crow, like, oh, snap, that came true. I think I would feel immediate guilt, immediate shame. I probably would feel conviction. I probably would feel a deep brokenness that I had broken my own commitment to follow Jesus. I caved in. I gave in. And then ultimately, though, it would be a fear of rejection. How many of you, when you tattled on your friend or maybe when your friend tattled you, did you trust that person easily again? Not really. Now, picture being Peter. You just denied Jesus three times. If you see Jesus again, is he going to treat you well? Peter's thought is probably not. And the fact is, when you let fear guide your faith, it will only lead to more fear. When you let fear guide your faith, it will only lead to more fear. When you're too scared to take the next step in your relationship with God, it will only continue to make you too scared to do anything for God. When you're too scared to say no to your significant other because they're trying to pressure you into doing something that you know God has called you not to do, it will only make it harder for you to say no in the future because of fear. 
when you're too scared to say no to your friend who's trying to give you the hookup, it'll only make it that much more hard to say no in the future because of fear. When you say no to yourself, that you don't think you're beautiful enough, that when Jesus says, that, or when God says that he created you in his image, that that's not good enough for you, It'll be harder to remind yourself of the beauty that God created you with. When fear guides your faith, when you let fear guide your faith, it will only lead to more fear, greater fear. Every single one of us has the capacity to fail, to give in, and to let fear discourage our faith. I'm right there with you. I'm not perfect, I'm just as guilty. I have my own personal struggles. But I'm asking you right now, where do you stand with your faith? And this is where I get personal. Where do you stand with your faith? Are you crippled by fear? Are you afraid to take the next step for Jesus because you're afraid of what that may lead to? Are you afraid? Or are you confident of the new name that Jesus has given you? My daughter, my son. Are you secure in your new identity in Christ? Are you inspired to pursue God's new purpose for your life? We're going to go to one more passage. So we go to John 21, and I'm wrapping up. And what we're going to see next in this passage is this, that God's grace is unfairly good. God's grace is unfairly good. And grace is the favor that we receive from God even when we don't deserve it. So here's John 21. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. So first of all, Peter starts hearing these rumors, right? Jesus eventually dies. He is crucified. He is buried in a tomb, breathless. But three days later... Three days later, the whole reason we celebrate Easter is because he took a breath again. And Jesus, the dead man, became Jesus, the living Savior. And he came out of that tomb, and there became rumors going around. Hey, Jesus' body, it's not in the tomb, y'all. It's not there. He heard about it from a woman. It's not there. Well, I have to find out for myself. So he ran. He ran to the grave. He didn't see Jesus in the tomb. His body was missing. So he's hanging out, right, wondering, like, Jesus, where are you at? Jesus, are you going to show yourself? Like, I need to see you. So Jesus shows himself in a room with the disciples. He sees Jesus, but they still don't have enough time. That interaction isn't enough time to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation because Jesus is gone. So this story is intentionally placed here so that we can see how Jesus treated Peter 
after he rose from the dead. Because their relationship hasn't been restored yet. Let's see how Jesus treats Peter and how he wants to treat us when we deny him. So later Jesus appeared again to the disciples. And several of the disciples were there on the Sea of Galilee. Peter was one of them. And Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. Peter said, I used to be a fisherman. That's where I found comfort. That's where I found security. That used to be my name. That used to be my identity. That used to be my purpose. Jesus is dead, yo. So I'm going to go back to what I used to do. I'm going to go back to the name I used to have. I'm going to put my identity in what I used to have it in. I'm going to live the purposes that I used to live for. And so they go out fishing. They catch nothing. It's early in the morning because that's when you, when you go catch fish, right? Fish bite early in the morning, or right? Isn't that right? Yeah, Mr. Fishing Tournament Jesse over here, boy. Is that true? Is that true? Yeah. Right? Early in the morning. So he's out there early in the morning. He hasn't had breakfast yet. They're going fishing. They catch nothing. And then Jesus appears, right, on the shore. They don't know it's Jesus. They can't see that far to the shore. But they hear someone call out. And they say, hey, fellas, have you caught any fish? They say, no. He says, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. And then someone finally recognizes it's Jesus. They say, dude, it's Jesus. So Peter gets out of the boat and jumps in the water and swims to the shore. He wants to meet up with Jesus so badly. Because now that Jesus is alive, he wants to be his ride or die again. And so he goes to Jesus. And Jesus says this. When he, first of all, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Verse 10 says this. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. 153 fish. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And so they're having this conversation. They're eating breakfast. And Jesus says this to Peter. Now he's having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Peter. And he says this. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He doesn't call him by Peter. He calls him by his old name. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Well, who's the, what's the these? Yeah, some people think it might be the disciples that he's talking about, but I think the more believable way to read this is, or to understand this, is that it's the fish that he's talking about. Hey, you, your old name, Simon, your old name, your old identity, your old purpose. Hey, you, the old you, do you love me more than your old way of living? Do you love me more than these fish that you pride yourself on catching? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, then feed my lambs, reminding him of his purpose. One time. 
And then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, hey, the old you, do you love me? And then Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus responded, then take care of my sheep, reminding him of his identity two times. And then a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Hey, the old you, your old name, your old identity, your old purpose, yeah, all that. Do you really love me? And Peter's getting frustrated at this point, and he says, man, he's, I'm hurt. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. He reminded him of his new name, his new identity, his new purpose three times to remind him that three denials aren't enough to change the way that I feel for you. Now look at me. Jesus wanted to remember who he used to be then so that he could encourage him to have the faith to be who he can be now. Jesus reminded him of who he used to be then so that he could encourage him to be who he could be now. And I think Jesus is calling you out today. I think Jesus is calling me out today. I think one of the healthiest practices we can have as a Christian is to think about who we used to be before following Jesus. And let me just be straight with you. If the person you used to be doesn't look any different from the person you are now that you said you followed Jesus... Maybe something needs to change. Because things change when you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And that you can be who he says you can be. So Jesus is calling us out today. And I think if Jesus were here, he would say something like this. I know who you are. I know who you are. But I also know what you could be. So stop playing games and follow me. Friends, it's it's time to let your faith in Jesus overcome your feelings. And friends, it's time to let your faith overcome your fear. Because the potential of your life is beyond your wildest imaginations if you would just begin to follow him with your life. Is Jesus who he says he is? My conviction is that he is.
the risen, reigning Lord and King and Master of everything. That's who Jesus is. And until that reality becomes true in the depths of your soul, nothing will change. Father, speak to us tonight through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And that was this week's midweek message. Wherever you are in your relationship with God, we can each take the next step. So what is the next step for you? Write it down. Tell someone about it, like a friend that you trust or your small group leader. We want to take this next step with you. To reach out to us or for more information about the Resound Student Ministry, hit us up online at fbcmalakoff.com students and visit our social channels on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. Take the next step and shine your light. Rizal is the student ministry of First Baptist Church, Malakoff, Texas.